0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Another crazy week in Houston with a million Rockets rumors, a major signing as well. And of course, we'll break down the Texans win over the Patriots. There's also a couple of storylines on the Texans future to discuss. Joining me is my co-host and regular sidekick, a fellow H-Town sports junkie and longtime journalist, Stephen Kerr. And Stephen... You know, I actually enjoyed this Texans game. It was kind of fun to watch for a change.
1: I did too, Robert. And you know what's funny is a friend of mine asked me the other day if I was going to watch the Texans-Lions game on Thanksgiving Day. And I'm like, yeah, you know, why do I really want to do that? Uh, Why do I want to spend my Thanksgiving watching the Texans and the Lions game? (laughs) But after the game today, well, maybe I'll reconsider that. And maybe the Texans should consider uh, opening the roof more often. They haven't done it since 2014. They did it today, and they won. So, you know, every little bit helps, right?
0: Let the sunshine in. That's what I say. You know, that's one of my sayings right there. <laughs> <laughs> there there's a song. You, you
1: should write a song about that, maybe.
0: Yeah, it, it was, I don't know. I thought it was the best Deshaun Watson game of the season. It, it's about as good as he's looked from start to finish.
1: Well, it definitely is, Robert. He threw for over 300 yards. It It is kind of a shame, though, that your quarterback also has to be your running back and do the passing because the running game certainly did not get it going today, but that Deshaun magic was really the difference. I mean, he, he carved up the Patriots. He, he definitely outplayed the quarterback that has inspired him over the last few years. That of course being Cam Newton, but yeah, Deshaun best game of the season. Oh yeah.
0: By far. I don't know how to judge it though, because the, the Patriots are not a good team this year. This isn't the Patriots of the past. Maybe you could say the the game against the Titans that the Texans lost in overtime. I, I'm not going to give him, you know, any points for what he did against Jacksonville in those couple of games because the Jags are the Jags. But I mean, that's the only argument really, right? Is that Titans game from a few weeks ago that they they, they almost won? Yeah,
1: it certainly is. And you're right, the the Patriots defense isn't what it was and uh, what it what it has been. But just the way De- Deshaun looked, and and I noticed that he was getting the ball out faster. Of course, you know, the, the Texans had some injuries on the offensive line. I mean, you had Tunsil who was out because of an illness that uh, was not related to COVID, thank goodness. You know, and, and then you had Calamente, who uh, was out with an injury. Then Howard went down later. You, you put, you know, a, a rookie, Charlie Heck, in late in the game. So, you know, the offensive line a bit banged up, but yet
0: nonetheless, Deshaun still just looked really spectacular today. Right, and I I I really feel like this was his best game because he did have to deal with some of these injuries. There was, there was no steel Stills, uh, Cobb went out. You know, all, all of that factored into it. Um, we might actually see Isaiah Coulter, the fifth round pick, the rookie might come in later. Uh, well, not later, come in next week, I would think to start the game potentially, or at least uh, he's going to be active if Stills and, and Cobb are hurt and and the rookies. The rookies actually were present and accounted for. Jonathan Grenard had his first sack as a as a Texan. Wow. Hey, how about that? And,
1: you know, we were saying a few weeks ago, when are we going to see some of these guys? Yeah, the, the Texans obviously aren't going to be in the playoffs. Well, we're starting to see them, and they're starting to make contributions. And, and you know, none of the rookies, of course, in the NFL had the, the kind of off-season training camps that they normally have, and so... You you can't really use that as an excuse, but these rookies have come in and and actually done a great job. And uh, Reed, Justin Reed did really well. And uh, Zach Cunningham
0: continuing to play well also for the defense. Yeah, there's another guy that played pretty well for the defense. I want to get to him a little bit later, but just going through the offensive series in this game, and it's always fun to kind of look and see, you know, what, what went right, what went wrong, same old, same old. First drive of the game, one first down and punt. Deshaun missed Duke Johnson on third down, a little bit of an overthrow. He made some great throws this game. That was not one of his better ones. But second drive, six play, seventy-three yard drive. Uh, Deshaun to Randall Cobb, three yard touchdown pass. Two really good throws by Deshaun to set it up. Forty-four yards to Cooks, twenty-two yards to Akins. Akins with the huge game. You know, you gotta love the the future of of Akins because you know when he's played this year. Uh, outside of the injuries, he's been fantastic. And he's showing that he was worth drafting in the third round uh, a couple of years ago. But you got to remember, he's he's an older rookie. I remember he was maybe 25, 26 when he came into the league. Um, the Texans didn't go three and out, but not really on Deshaun. Uh, on that third drive, that was Titus Howard. A holding penalty basically sets him back, and they couldn't recover uh, after the holding penalty. But then eight-play, 75-yard drive, five-yard touchdown. Deshaun and Stephen, he just ran over a defender at the two-yard line looking like uh, uh, the, the running back from the Titans. Uh, oh, what's his name? That, that, uh... <laughs> Is it Henry or something? Yeah, Derek Henry. Or,
1: yeah, or, or maybe even like his counterpart, Cam Newton, the way Newton could run when he was probably healthiest. But yeah, he, he looked more like a power running back on that
0: play than a quarterback using his legs yeah i try to forget derrick henry's name as much as possible. i still see him in my dreams after that game that he had against the texans in the fifth drive night play 80 yard drive oh my goodness look who we see in this drive catching a touchdown and playing some football deshaun to Kiki, hey. cutie
1: It wasn't a bird. It wasn't a plane. It was Kiki QT. How about that? He did make that touchdown catch, and he had another catch that was called back, I I think because of illegal motion or a penalty anyway. And he had a couple of pretty decent returns. So Kiki QT, wow. Who would have thought that we we were wondering if
0: we were going to see him at all this season? In a Texans uniform period, ever. Correct. Um, Six-yard touchdown on that one, and and great two-minute drive by Deshaun because – he overcomes a couple of offensive line penalties, some some ugly offensive line play at times in this game. Um, as far as the penalties were concerned, I think overall though their their uh, blocking was good. But then uh, second half, uh, three and out to start the first uh, possession. But that was Will Fuller dropping a pass that hit him right square in the numbers on second down, and, and that drive would have kept going if it wasn't for that. Then this, th- then they when they needed a drive, Stephen. This is. L- what we haven't seen too much from the Texans this year when they needed a drive after the other team was getting momentum, they came up with one. It only led to the fair Baron field goal, but it was an 11 play 57 yard drive. You kept it out of the Patriots hands and they go up 24 to 17.
1: And again, that was on to because, you know, can you imagine if the Texans had a great running game, how many of those drives would have been touchdowns probably instead of field goals, but you're right. That that's something they have done very little of this season. If the other team gets back in the game, It almost seems like the Texans just began to crumble slowly but surely, but they did at least put some points on the board, and most
0: importantly, they they took some good time off the clock to do it. Exactly, and then they took even more time off the clock in their next drive because they go eight plays, 47 yards. They're up 24 to 20 at this point, so it's big that they score some points and at least make the Patriots have to score a touchdown. Akins gets interfered with or at least I thought he was interfered with on Deshaun's third down pass. It looked like he got tripped up. Officials don't call it. But Kaimi Fairbairn, another field goal. Fairbairn, as much as we criticize the contract, Fairbairn's kicked the ball pretty well for the most part this year. I mean, he's been really rock solid. He has, at least with the field goals. You know, he's missed an extra point here or there
1: that uh, kind of loomed big. But uh, especially lately with the field goals, that one was
0: a uh, 46-yarder that put them ahead by seven. So, yeah, and then the last drive was just a – there was the kneel down. On, on defense, um, it's same old Texans kind of early in this game, off and on. They look good one drive. They look terrible the next. They start off – there was a 10-play, 84-yard drive, uh, a 9-yard touchdown. Then there was uh, one first down and punt. Justin Reed, nice job covering the screen on third down. And Justin Reed with a really good – it was one of maybe his best game this year overall, making plays. Uh, next drive, 10-play, 45-yard drive leads to a field goal. Then there was a 3-and-out and a 3-and-out the next two drives. And l- that first 3-and-out, Lonnie Johnson blitzed on third down. That was a big play. And then Bradley Roby made a big stop on third down on the running play. Unfortunately, uh, injury on that one. But uh, Roby darting into the backfield. And they actually did a good job in this game of stopping the run, Steven. Stephen. How about that?
1: Well, it didn't look that way at first, although it was interesting how Josh McDaniels, he didn't seem to call as many running plays as you might have thought he would in that first half just because of how poor the Texans' run defense is. But as the game went along, yeah, the Texans did a great job stopping James White and some of the other backs they put in there. But it was interesting that McDaniels didn't go to the run
0: as much early on as some other coaches might have. 86 yards on the game for the Patriots on the ground, 3.6 yards per carry. I mean, that's a wow. That's big for the Texans. And then the next two drives, the Patriots did go down the field. You get the Philip Gaines getting burned on a 42-yard touchdown pass. The the following drive, uh, they go down. They get the field goal, but this drive is going to be remembered by me anyway because Grenard gets his first NFL sack. And Justin Reed with his first career sack, too, in that drive. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: I mean, you know, Justin Reed's been in the league a few years, but that was his first sack. And the Texans did, you know, put it on some defensive blitzes. And Anthony Weaver was, you know, he got criticized or he he kind of stung at some of the criticism that's been coming his way for the defense. But he did call up some pretty good schemes in this game, I thought.
0: Cam Newton does not look like he can throw the ball all that well anymore. I mean, it just looks like it's almost painful when I see him make the longer throws, even though he had the big touchdown pass. And and, and if you put the pressure on Cam, you know, that that's what's going to happen. And I, I was glad to see that they were doing that. I wish they would have done it more because I think every time they sent some guys at Cam Newton, I mean, do you recall that not working at any point for the Texans? Did they get burned much on that? Uh, very
1: little. And it's very interesting when you have a quarterback who is six foot five that had so many passes either batted down or tipped. J.J. Watt had three of them, I believe. Four. I think there were at least four. Four. Yeah, there were four passes that I know that were tipped that Newton was throwing. And, you know, as I said, the guy is six five. So it's uh, very seldom you're going to see a quarterback like that get so many passes tipped. So that I think that tells you right there, uh, Robert, that Newton just does not have the arm strength. That he once had. He's come off an injury, of course, so maybe that's a lot of it. But yeah, the Texans had a lot of tips. Uh, one of them, I think, was was almost picked off uh that uh, Watt could have had, but I think Newton batted it down. Right. So that that was the biggest thing I saw from Newton today is just how he wasn't able to to
0: to really get good velocity on the ball. Yeah, Lonnie Johnson and Justin Reed get the pressure on fourth down to end the game. Big play. Again, Anthony Weaver drawing that up, but you said it. Cam Newton getting the ball batted down four times by J.J. Watt at least that's what the stats had. There was one that looked like it, he might have got some help on a deflection, but you know that to me was the story of the game as far as the the Patriots' offense because you know he's six foot five and Stephen he just. It seems like when you're 6 foot 5, you shouldn't have that many balls batted down and I'm wondering if because of the shoulder and some of the you know some of the damage that's been done over the years with him running the ball that he can't get over the top as good as he used to because it just seems like uh it's easier to bat down passes for him and he threw some balls on, on just screen passes that were into the ground uh there were some plays that the receivers had to make picking balls up off their feet so I mean he just you know he he's just not the same guy anymore I think that I think all the injuries have really uh done some damage to his uh arm and shoulder,
1: yeah, I'd have to say so and of course, as you mentioned, the Texans were getting pressure, so he was rushed into a lot of those throws and then there was that one ball that uh Romeo Cornell challenged it was a diving catch, and uh they they ruled uh, the successful challenge, so yeah, a lot of low balls and 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 like you said a lot of them they weren't long passes down the field. They were short passes, and they were still not finding their
0: mark. So J.J. Watt, he gets the four batted balls, but he also had a tackle for loss in the backfield. He had another really good tackle on a run play. It it looks like they've moved him more over to the other side of the defensive line. He's not lined up as much on the left side, which I think has helped him a little bit. It's also... Made the rush defense a little bit better, I think, when he's moved over there. I mean, there's some stuff that Weaver has sort of figured out. Unfortunately, it's too late, and JJ Watt, JJ might not be here next year. And it's another thing is like with every one of these, you know, plays that he makes and big moments that you have from JJ Watt. I'm just reminded, Stephen, that you know this. This is we could be watching the end of the era of, of, of JJ Watt. It's 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 kind of it, I, I get a little verklempt watching that at times. <laughs> Well, you,
1: you almost have to, Robert. I mean, as crazy as this year has been, <laughs> it's not far-fetched to think that this could be J.J.'s last season with the Texans. You know, he's still got some years left in him, but I just don't know if any of those are going to be in a Texans uniform. So every great play, you know, every sack, you know, he had not had a lot of sacks this year. So you wonder, is the next sack going to be his final one or, or one of his final ones in a Texans uniform?
0: Any other notes that you have on this one? That's that's pretty much what I've got for the game. It was just a, I think it was a good all-around effort. Uh, Will Fuller, you know, that's somebody else. So like, Will Fuller and J.J. Watt are, you know, your top three players along with Deshaun. The problem is those two guys most likely aren't going to be back. It's going to be tough to sign Will Fuller. He picked a hell of a time to have an injury-free year. I mean, this is when you want to do it. You're going to be a free agent. <laughs> now's it. Now's it. Yeah. Yeah,
1: how how about waiting until your contract here? How's that working out, I guess, for him? It's it's probably working out pretty well so far. Well, with the injuries piling up, you know, that's a big concern for the Texans because they only have three days before they have to get ready for the Lions on Thanksgiving Day, so it's going to be interesting to just to see how fresh the Texans are coming out in that game. Yeah,
0: we saw C.J. Pross didn't see much from him. <laughs> three carries, four yards, Duke Johnson... Ten carries, fifteen yards. You said it. I mean, this was all Deshaun doing everything like he always has to do. Six six carries, thirty-six yards, six yards per carry. Uh Deshaun twenty-eight for thirty-seven, three hundred and forty-four yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, one twenty-one point nine passer rating. I mean, it this was this was Deshaun, and this is why it's it's still a little fun to watch the Texans because you know that he's still got this stuff in him.
1: Well, that's right, and that's why you signed him to that long-term contract. Are you expecting him to do things like that? But can he do it every game? I mean, that's really the key. And yeah, you've got some pretty good passing weapons, but you've got to have that running game to balance the attack at some point because you're going to run into a defense that just isn't going to allow a lot of that to happen. They put a lot of pressure on Deshaun, and they stopped the run. The Texans are in trouble. But at least for this game, for the Patriots, and I think the Texans at least have a chance to do that against the Lions, but you know, those are the
0: games that you just, you got to take them when you can get them. Yeah. Speaking of Deshaun, um, because, you know, he was the story in this game for sure, but also the story before the game started, because as according to Adam Schefter, Cal McNair had dinner with Deshaun. Deshaun wanted to hear his thoughts on who should be the next coach. Steven, you know, we discussed this. I, I thought you better listen to Deshaun and do whatever he says at this point, because he's all you got. And if you're Cal McNair, if you're not listening to him, you might as well close the tent and just shut the franchise down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you you hope that Deshaun Watson has the uh, kind of saying power that uh, James Harden has had with the Rockets over these last several years. You know, g- get the guy whoever he wants if that's what it takes. But but you've got to get some weapons around him too, especially if Fuller walks. You, you've got to shore up the running game. You you've got to do other things to take care of Deshaun as well as get a good coach who can get the most out of him.
0: Yeah, and I think the the thing is, you got to hope that Deshaun is a better general manager than Bill O'Brien. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> of course,
1: almost anybody would probably be you. You and I would probably be a better general manager
0: than Bill O'Brien was. Oh, I don't even think there's a question there. <laughs> <laughs> that's not saying a whole lot, is it? It's a low bar. Um, also, you know, the other story, courtesy of Jason Lock on for a uh, Romeo is not considered a head coaching candidate next year, according to what he's found out from Cal and the higher ups there. So, you know, I, I would hope so. I mean, we, I mean, it's ridiculous that they would consider 76 Rome, year old Romeo for next year. Um, when, you know, this, this franchise needs a, a clean sweep. You're going to hire uh, nobody, no, no coach or, G, you know, and, and, and by the way, Jack is off the table too, as the general manager, the problem with though is, you know, I don't care if Jack's off the table as the general manager. It just looks like he runs the franchise. Did you hear he's making $3 million a year? Wow, to be a de facto general manager, that,
1: that's not bad. He He's definitely, why, why can't we be in the right place at the right time, Robert? Or, you know, as a, as a teacher of mine in high school used to say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, he obviously has known some people to get in that kind of position. But, yeah, we did hear that both he and Romeo are not, Supposedly not being considered for either one of those roles, and it it just doesn't make any sense. You know, I I have heard in other sports and other levels, Robert, of the the problems of you know being caused by COVID of not being able to hold in person interviews. You know, when you're interviewing for head coaches and general managers and things of that nature. Look, I, you know, yeah, the, the the landscape is different, but you can't let that stand in the way of finding a good candidate if you have to do it remotely over zoom then do it so don't let that be an excuse for the texans to not be able to find a top flight coach and a top flight general manager who can come in and clean things up and
0: get this team back on the track where it's supposed to be if you can convince the top flight guys that jack is not going to be a problem and cause interference and stab him in the back and all all those things
1: well, and and you know the question then becomes, if, if Easterby is not going to be the GM, is he going to stick around? Is he going to want to stick around, or
0: oh, yeah. is he going to be axed at some point? Oh, well, he wants to stick. You're making $3 million a year, and he's beloved. I mean, he is Cal McNair's best friend now. They're besties. Yeah, well, so
1: was Bill O'Brien, and he finally got
0: it. So, <laughs> yeah, it will be interesting to see over the next few
1: weeks and months what does happen to Easterby when they do hire a general manager.
0: Well, let's move over to the Wild Rockets week. Uh, But before we do, if you haven't already, go listen to my conversation earlier this week with Locked On Rockets podcast host, Jackson Gatlin. 90% of what we discuss hasn't changed since Tuesday. But Stephen, the big news since I spoke with Gatlin is the addition of Christian Wood. It's a lot of moving pieces, but basically they get him in a sign-and-trade. They ditch Trevor Ariza's contract, give the Pistons this year's first-round pick a 2021 second round pick. Um and a highly protected, that's a, a very highly protected uh Pistons pick um that's uh possible there as well. Maybe a first, maybe a second. And and they get Christian Wood in this deal. And Steven, a- unless I'm missing something, in the last year, the Rockets dealt Clint Capella this year's number twenty-two pick in the draft. And next year's second round pick for two months of Robert Covington, Christian Wood, maybe a Pistons first round pick. Like I said, uh, this very protected. Uh, probably it's going to be a second rounder. But they also get next year's Trailblazers first rounder, assuming the Blazers make the playoffs with that uh, with those protections. Um, what do you think about that? And by the way, did, did you follow any of what I just said? <laughs> well, I tried to follow
1: everything that was going on this week, Robert, but I had to... I had to keep a notepad or something in front of me because that's a lot of maneuvering from Raphael Stone. Well, Christian Wood, of course, is a guy the Rockets tried to get at the trade deadline. And interestingly enough, it ended up that they went with the small ball fashion. So now they have him and the, the, it looks like the small ball thing is gone, thankfully, because I was not a big fan of it to begin with. You know, I, I mean, Christian Wood is, is one of those, you just, you don't know really what you're getting. He, He did eventually get into the Pistons' starting lineup, and he played well. He averaged double figures. He he, uh, tends to be a good shooter, but I don't know if his sample size is big enough. He's played, what, with five teams over the last several years. He didn't even—I think he even got cut from a Chinese team before he even played a a moment with them. So it is interesting, but, uh, you know, if you're going to get rid of Covington, I guess this was probably—since you didn't get Mason Plumley, because I know the Rockets were after him, too— This is probably the best year we're going to do with what the Rockets had to work with. So now the question becomes, is he going to be a piece that will fit well with James Harden and Russell Westbrook provided? you know, Are are these guys, are they going to be committed to keeping these guys and not trading them after all? You know, that's obviously the other big question the Rockets have.
0: Yeah, that that was kind of the question I was going to pose to you. But you said small ball. He doesn't fit with that. Actually, he would fit perfectly because what the Rockets really needed was a guy that was tall and could also shoot from outside. And look, look at his bio. Six foot ten, super athletic, shot 38.6% from three last year, can put the ball on the ground, drive and dish. Oh, it's all beautiful. He's only played in 113 NBA games, so barely over one full season. But what gets you excited about him is he's only 25 years old. He can shoot from long distance. And if you look at his career per 36 numbers man, they're impressive, 21.2 points, 10.6 rebounds and one and a half blocks. Again, short sample size. The two concerns that you have about him. You mentioned one of them, Steven, who is he? Is he this guy? Or is he the guy that got cut by four teams before finally looking good in Detroit last year? He had a reputation also for a poor work ethic, but Steven, If the Rockets could get Harden to reconsider or if they decide to keep Russell Westbrook, I mean, everything that this guy has, it sounds like he's the perfect pick-and-roll big man for Harden and Westbrook. This is a guy that they've never had. They've never had this guy as a pick-and-roll big that can do what he, you know, that wasn't Dwight Howard or Clint Capella.
1: Well, that's exactly one of the other key reasons they got him is because of his pick-and-roll ability. And as you said, that works great with Harden and Westbrook. So, you know, the the question becomes if you can convince these guys to stay. Of course, you know, we say convince them. Look, the Rockets have leverage with these guys. They're still under contract. It's not like they can just walk away. So the Rockets really have more of the leverage. It's a question of how soon do the Rockets want to move them if they want to move them at all. But would, you know, the the Rockets definitely need better shooting. We've talked about that many, many times on this podcast. And at least from the sample size that we judge by and the numbers you just quoted, he does have that ability, so you can hope that he can transfer that to the Rockets and give them some
0: better shooting depth, not just from inside, but from outside as well. Let me ask you this, Steven. It sounds like there's a chance the Rockets go into the season with Harden. Unless he refuses to play, why not see if Harden has a different perspective after 20 or 30 games? Maybe he likes what Silas is doing offensively. Maybe Christian Wood impresses him. Maybe Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant get hurt again. We, we know that could happen. And if you're a Rockets fan, um, or if you're in the franchise, the only way Harden loses trade value is with an injury. So it's not like anything's going to change 20 or 30 games into the season. So, you know, maybe that's there for you, Stephen. Well, that would be the smart thing to do. And, and
1: listen, if Harden, if, if Harden refuses to play, he really is crazy because he's sure walking away from a lot of money on that contract that he still has left. Yeah, I know he turned down a $103 million extension offer, but he still got a pretty big contract as it is for a couple of years. So why would he do that? And Robert, let's go back to 1992 and talk about another player who was extremely vocal about wanting to be traded and extremely vocal about the poor ownership of the Rockets. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about, that being Hakeem Olajuwon and the trade that never happened and then a couple of years later, the Rockets win back-to-back championships. So it is not inconceivable that the Rockets and James Harden and Russell Westbrook even could all kiss and make up and, as you said, go into the season. I mean, it's going to start December 22nd, so we're, we're talking, what, a month before the season starts? So unless the Rockets are just that eager to pull the trigger on either one of those guys, which it, it doesn't appear that they are. They don't want to give up, just, you know, get peanuts back for them. It, it could be that the Rockets will at least start the season
0: with these guys, and then let's see what happens 15, 20, 30 games in. Right. I mean, I, I, I just don't see the Rockets being in any hurry to do this. And, you know, the one thing I was thinking about, Steve, I was trying to figure it out, like, okay, um, we always hear that, well, why would you give up major assets for James Harden knowing that you only have them for a year and a half or two years or something like that? In the NBA, if you have a superstar these days, Is there any guarantee that he's going to want to stay longer than two years before he demands a trade?
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, ask uh, LeBron James and and numerous others who, you know, were committed to winning seven championships with one team, and then a few years later after they won a couple here and there, they're gone. I mean, this is – the NBA is in the era of the super team, and that means superstars. So if you've got a superstar like James Harden, you know the Rockets' phone has been ringing. It's a question of what do the Rockets – want in return and will they be satisfied with what is being offered for a return? And at least to this point, they haven't pulled the trigger. So the answer is they're not in any really big
0: hurry to get rid of James Harden. And they shouldn't be because they've got the leverage. I mean, just go back to a little over a year ago, Paul George signs a big contract with the Oklahoma city thunder. There was like a party, you know, when Paul George signed the contract, I think not one year ago, it might've been two years ago, But there was this huge party. Paul George is going to be in Oklahoma City for a long time. And then it was like a year later, oh, uh, Kawhi wants to be in in L.A.? Get me out of here. I want to be traded to Los Angeles.
1: Well, that's right. And now, you know, which is interesting because that is what led to the Westbrook trade. And at least for a little bit, Paul George's name was being linked to the Rockets in in this type of trade with – so (laughs) – it's kind of ironic, and when you saw just how Paul George performed in the playoffs, not sure you know, how well that would play with the Rockets. So, yeah, these guys, they live for the moment. They want to play with wherever they feel like they're wanted and if things are going well, but if even a little bit is off
0: in a year or two, they decide they want to go somewhere else. When you look at Russell Westbrook at this point, I think he's staying with the Rockets for a while, Uh, I I don't see anything immediate unless there's this real move to get him to the Clippers by Los Angeles. If they're interested in him for Paul George, speaking of Paul George, maybe something like that. But the Hornets who were in play just signed Gordon Hayward to a big contract. They just got somebody in the draft that they want handling the basketball and LaMelo Uh, the Knicks, you know, maybe they're still interested, but you're just going to get a bunch of junk from the Knicks probably. And then uh, I don't know who else is really interested. I haven't heard anybody that's seriously interested in Russell Westbrook. Now, maybe people are doing a good job of keeping it quiet, but you know, I just don't hear it. And and, and Russ, you know, might be happy just staying here as long as Harden's going to be here. Does he get upset if Harden leaves, or maybe he gets? You know, excited because he gets to do Russ things again. He gets to dribble the ball. You know, thirty seconds uh, every possession
1: or whatever. Oh, heaven forbid! Don't go there because that just gives me a heart attack every time he handles the ball. But well, and here's the thing: is you, you're not going to get the kind of assets if you're the Rockets for Russell Westbrook that you would get for James Harden. So it's not inconceivable, as I said, that that they both stay and, and that Russ will hang around. And just who knows, maybe another year. I mean, good grief. They've only had one year together. Can you give it at least another season before you decide what you want to do? So, yeah, I, did, I don't know. This whole Westbrook thing just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But then again, both of these guys are the same type of player. They both want the ball. And we'll just see how this whole thing plays out. It, it certainly has been
0: interesting story here for the last few weeks with the Rockets. The Rockets, actually lost their second best player in the playoffs this weekend. Jeff Green, in my mind, was their second best player in the playoffs. Unfortunately, he signed a vet minimum one-year deal with the Nets, so maybe he's going to be teammates with James Harden again. (laughs) Hey, well, you know, that's where Harden seems to want to go. And, uh, you know, maybe he
1: told Green, well, why don't you go before me and clear the way and let me know how things are going, and I'll join you as soon as I can catch up to you. But, (laughs) no, in all seriousness, that – that is a big loss for the Rockets because Green came through in so many different situations. So now the Rockets are going to have to find another, you know, Jeff Green, Gerald Green type of player who can step
0: in and do some great things off the bench. The Rockets also drafted somebody, of course, no first-round pick because they dealt that uh, to the Portland – or no, they dealt that to Detroit. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, A bunch of, a bunch of uh, moves that they made. So but- many moves. Yeah, and then uh, Kenyon Martin Jr. in the second round was their draft pick. He's, of course, the son of Kenyon Martin uh, Sr. Uh, <laughs> for those who might have forgotten, his dad was the number one overall pick in the draft a couple of decades ago. And Kenyon Jr., six foot seven, incredibly explosive. Sounds like the kind of player you can take a chance on, and maybe he develops into something. They also signed Sterling Brown, who's only a 34.5% three-point shooter after three seasons in Milwaukee. He's long. Athletic, that seems to be a lot of what they're looking at these days. And don't confuse Sterling Brown with Sterling K. Brown, Stephen, who stars in the show This Is Us. I'm sure you're okay. A, of yeah, that. I was beginning to wonder about that. All right. <laughs> Glad you cleared that up. Uh let me go back to the Harden situation, Steven. Do you realistically think the Rockets, if they do indeed trade Harden, can get a all-star level player? like a Ben Simmons? I mean, I can't imagine there's anybody else out there that other teams would be willing to give up because, you know, Ben Simmons is, you know, got Daryl Morey over there. And so Daryl's got, you know, his eye on James Harden, but what other team would give up a young type all-star for James that's, Precarious at best, and he's thirty-one years old.
1: Yeah, there aren't too many. You could count them on one hand, if that many fingers, because that—that's as you said. You know, every year that Harden plays, he gets another year older, and he still has that tendency to be in the playoffs and, and just not always show up when he needs to show up. And so, you know, when you put all those factors together, it—it just—it it does limit just what the Rockets could really expect to get if they decide yes, they really are going to trade. James Harden. But you never know. I mean, sometimes teams can wheel and deal and a name pops up that you may not think about and it may not be a superstar quality, but it somebody out there that if you got another superstar around them could possibly help the Rockets.
0: Yeah, I was trying to come up with where he where you might trade him because if you're the Rockets, I don't think you want to trade him to the West. You'd rather him go out East and Boston was on the table maybe for a second with their stars, but I don't know if they're super interested in uh, James Harden, Uh, Toronto, would they be interested? Would Masai Ujiri, you know, a really good general manager, would he be willing to do that? Because there's not a lot of young guys on that team. And maybe this is the end of what's could be a closing window for Toronto. I mean, Kyle Lowry's getting up there. um, But I mean, what are you going to get back from them? I mean, they're, The only potential guy that you could get back uh, uh, is—I'm blanking. I just blanked on his name—but the 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 guard who's a free agent for them, and I haven't heard uh, about him signing quite yet. At least as we're doing the the podcast, he hasn't signed with anybody. Right, right, and
1: that's you know those things, of course, are liable to change. But
0: yeah, it it just
1: you you go down the list, and if you're the Rockets, I mean, who obviously you'd want just about anybody on the table, but who could you realistically get? That could replace James Harden, both in the system, whatever system that Steven Silas intends to use, or just who would, would be the fit with what the Rockets' personnel is right now.
0: Yeah, uh, the the guy I was trying to come up with is Fred Van Vliet, and he's good. I mean, I would love to have Fred Van Vliet. And by the way, clutch, unlike James, he's clutch.
1: <laughs> yeah, clutch. And that's, that's the other thing is you want to get a guy that's clutch that is really going to bring you a championship. Because if you're going to get rid of Harden, If he is right at this moment, your best shot to win a championship and you get rid of him, then you better bring somebody else in that is at least equally and really better chance of giving you a
0: championship. And that's honestly, that's just going to be difficult to do. I mean, seriously, come on. You're not going to get anybody that's equal to James Harden back for him. I mean, why? Why why is anybody going to do that? Yeah. What team would do that? that? That's the question. Yeah, they wouldn't. So that forget about that. I mean, they're they're lucky. To, they're going to be lucky to get two cents on the dollar. And the big thing with James is, he's going to throw a fit if he's going anywhere besides the Nets. That's where he wants to go. Um, he's just going to throw a fit. He's going to get on the floor and 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 you know throw his arms around. And I mean, if that happens, I, that's why I just you know either the Rockets decide they're going to keep trying to convince him over the next year because they got two years left to convince him. They can try, keep trying to convince him over the next year or he's going to Brooklyn and you're going to get that potpourri of junk that, that Brooklyn's got. I mean, they're, they're they're going to give you a bunch of just, you know, above average players. I mean, if you're excited about the Karis Leverts of the world, you know, maybe maybe you like that. But I mean, that's the best that they can do.
1: That is. And, you, you know, you may get a draft pick, but here's the thing. And the risk is, is if you wait another year and things deteriorate and let's say Harden maybe doesn't play his best in this coming season, and who knows with the season starting as soon as it is, it, you know, who who knows how many injuries could come into play if, if Harden or if Harden just isn't playing up to snuff. You wait another year, then James Harden's value goes down even further, and you're going to get even less from him if you decide, all right, we can't work this out, and James is really squawking, and there's a year left, uh, one less year left on his contract, then you put yourself in a even more awkward position
0: if you're the Rockets and trying to get some assets back from it. And again, I don't know what you're going to get back. I still question a lot what you can get back from him. You know, I tried to make the case that, you know, why not trade for him if you're a team? You know, he's got two years left on his contract. But I mean, you know, if you're another team, I mean, how much are you really, really willing to give up for James Harden? Because he's proven he can get you to the playoffs, but he's not going to get you to a championship and the teams that are going to want him are going to be teams that aren't going to want to give you a a great player back for him or an all-star level player back for him because they're going to want to, you know, have James Harden with that all-star level player with that great player that they have. So maybe they can go get a championship. I mean, you know, I just, to me, it's just like, I, I don't know if his value goes down much at all over the next year. Maybe it goes down a little bit, but not much. And if you're the Rockets, it's one more year of basically you're pretty much guaranteed of going to the playoffs if you have James, you know, in, in the fold, Steven.
1: Well, that's right. And and you know what? If you're the Nets and you think about it, it, a lot of it also has to do with the players you're gonna have around a person like James Harden. You know, Kevin Durant coming back from an injury, Kyrie Irving, who's had some injury history, and James Harden. I mean, are you do you realistically think if you're the Nets Can you win a championship with those guys? I'm not so sure about that. There there are too many unknowns.
0: Yeah, but it it puts them in in good position. You know, health is always going to be a deal with anybody that you have. And they also just signed Joe Harris to a big contract. Now, maybe the Rockets could leverage their way into getting Joe Harris as part of that deal. But I would assume they signed him because they really feel like, they're not going to have to give them up in that sort of deal. And so they have a really good outside shooter to go, a dead-eye outside shooter to go with those other three guys. So you got, You'd got, have one of the better shooting teams in the NBA. And meanwhile, the, while the Rockets are dealing with all of this stuff, the sad thing is, uh, if you're a Laker hater like I am, the defending champions have added the last two Six Men of the Year award winners in Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell. And they also look like they're going to get Mark Gasol, so the rich get richer.
1: Oh, do they ever. And, of course, Montrez Harrell, the former Rocket, so that stings even more when you think about the, the kind of success that Montrez Harrell has had. And, yeah, the, the Lakers are definitely, they they've had a few down years, but they are certainly making up for it by winning the championship and going out being aggressive
0: and trying to get even better this next season. Did I miss any Astros news this week? Did you hear of anything going on? Well, of course, they uh, dropped some players
1: and uh, you know, they kept Forrest Whitley on the 40-man roster. That's the big news, if you can call it big news, I guess. Uh, they traded Brandon Bailey to the Reds. Uh, there's no more Rogelio Armenteros. He is, uh, was claimed by the I believe was the Arizona Diamondbacks. And no more Jack Mayfield. So those guys, I, I believe at the moment, they have 39 players on their 40-man roster, but they, of course, were trying to make some changes in time for next month's Rule 5 draft, but uh, no George Springer
0: signing. that That's certainly not happened yet. Yeah, I don't have a lot of good feels about that, but Rojilo Almenteras, he had some good stuff. I, I kind of feel like they could regret that. He, didn't he have like a, was it a season-ending injury at the beginning of He did have some injury issues, yeah, yeah. that that kind of caused put him back a little bit. Yeah, I was going to talk to somebody potentially about the Cougars this week, but, yeah, again, <laughs> they, they, uh, I was thinking about bringing up one of our Cougar guests, but they just can't get games in, uh, Stephen. It's tough for, it's tough for the Cougars.
1: Well, you know, and it is, it's tough for a lot of people. I mean, think about how Texas A&M, they, they've been off, you know, for a couple of weeks because of – and, and uh, Texas Longhorns had a game canceled. And, yeah, the Cougars have had a lot of games canceled. And up until this past Saturday – Rice has only played two games. They, they played their third one, losing to North Texas State on Saturday. So it is just, yeah, you, you don't know from week to week who's really going to play, or even day to day, to be honest. I mean, I think even some as, as close as Friday, some of these games were canceled. So, uh, yeah, the Cougars, yeah, the, the only thing you can hope for, college basketball is starting. So maybe the Cougars basketball team can bring some excitement,
0: and they won't have a whole bunch of games canceled, and they can actually have a good season. The good news if you're a basketball fan with the Cougars is that, you know, they they usually have two games scheduled each week. So if there's a game canceled that week, there's another game that week, I guess. As long as it doesn't involve their team. If it involves one of the other teams, then yes, you're you're right. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, Well, I don't think we're going to do any other shows uh, this week until next Sunday where we will talk about the Texans and the Lions on Thanksgiving. So if, you, if you're if you expecting us right after that game on Thanksgiving, and I'm assuming most of you guys are going to be busy eating turkey, but if you're expecting maybe for the drive to work on Friday or, or whatever, we'll, we'll break that da- game down a little bit on uh, Sunday. Um, we might have some more Rockets news next Sunday. I would assume some more stuff might be going on. So uh, w- w- there's always stuff going on in Houston sports. So it should be another fun week. Um, As always, we want to wish you guys uh, the best of health and just stay safe over the holidays. and um, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.